0: Uh, Greetings, dear friends. This is Father John Boyle. Um, uh, I'm going to present to you my homily from last Sunday, Good Shepherd's Sunday. The recording device that I normally use failed. Uh, So I thought I'd try this, make it a video and maybe a bit of a talk uh, as well as a kind of homily. Anyway, the theme of the homily is the Good Shepherd. Good Shepherd's Sunday, last Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Uh, And it's a day in which we are asked to pray for vocations to the priesthood and the consecrated life of the uh, religious brothers and sisters. We should not forget the uh, call to the diaconate. And uh, there may be men in my congregation uh, discerning and preparing for that as well, a wonderful ministry as well. Um, But specifically on Good Shepherd Sunday, we think particularly of the priesthood. You know, in my uh, native country, um, the, we are, a priest set above a par- in charge of a parish is simply called a parish priest. And when I first came to the United States, I found the term pastor somewhat Protestant. Um, but actually, it does make sense. The, the word priest refers to the, um, the specifically cultic aspect of the priesthood, the whole area offering prayer uh, and intercession uh, for the needs of the people of God and of the world and indeed of offering sacrifice uh, in his own life of penance, but obviously supremely in the sacrifice of the Mass, uh, and all the the sacramental uh, life of the church as well, confessions, etc. The word pastor, of course, means literally shepherd, one who leads and guides a flock, who is called to lay down his life for his sheep, as our Lord tells us, who knows his sheep, and whose sheep know him as well. Now, of course, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ is the only shepherd. In the Responsorial Psalm of the Mass on Good Shepherd Sunday, after all, we did pray, the Lord is my shepherd. But it is the Lord's will that there are others who are shepherds with him and for him, who, as we heard in the Gospel, enter through the gate and it is our Lord Jesus identifies himself as the gate. When he says, I am the gate. And whoever enters, whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the sheep also enter. And they come in and they go out through the gate and they find pasture. And our Lord tells us, whoever enters through Christ the gate will be saved. In other words, those who enter in and out through the gate with their shepherd, will be saved. The shepherd who leads them out into the world and leads them back into the safety of the fold. He accompanies them. And this is how the sheep recognise the shepherd, that he has entered through the gate. He enters through Christ. He speaks with the voice of the shepherd. Some of you may like listening to that uh, programme on Marta Day Radio um, or KBVM. Uh, entitled The Voice of the Shepherd, uh, which is, I think, a weekly programme in which our uh, the shepherd of this local church, Archbishop Sample, uh, is heard. Of course, that voice of the shepherd speaks a word. And the word that the shepherd speaks, that the voice must speak, is, of course, the word of God. God who speaks through the script, sacred scriptures, the word that comes also through the teaching of Christ. So he's not to give his own teaching. It's not his own word which is the Word of God. Otherwise, he would be seen to have come in by some other way, and hopefully the sheep would rightfully recognise him then as a thief and a robber. The priesthood uh, traditionally is considered to have three offices, the teaching office, the sanctifying office, and the governing office. Now, the sanctifying office perhaps is quite um, obvious. The whole area of offering the mass, of hearing confessions, of the sacramental life of the church. And as a young boy, it was this that attracted me to the priesthood. I served mass as a boy. I was brought up in a Catholic home. Uh, I I experienced the wonder and awe of the mass. I I knew priests, and um, their example was something that inspired me. And that power, that gift given to them, to be agents of sanctification of the people. So I think we all, we all understand that. Now, there is also the governing aspect, and actually, that does really refer to the, uh, the concept of pastoring. The one who set over a flock, the one who is to m- make sure they, uh, that there is order in the community, they are guided to sanctification. But you know, these days, um, that uh, governing. Involves a lot of administration and it is not my favorite part, you know uh, It's not that's, that's not really what attracts me so much and um, You know one of my uh, staff who cares for me very much uh, Actually said maybe you maybe you you could be relieved of um, giving those apologetics classes that you you give and um, I said what, so that I can uh, dedicate more time to emails and managing projects and finances and all the rest? No, thank you. You see, it is that teaching aspect of the priestly ministry that really um, excites me, as well as the sanctifying one, of course. You know, And, in this, and it's the teaching ministry, in a certain sense, um, takes primacy uh, for how can people come to believe unless they are taught. You know, so I, I love teaching, teaching in the class, in schools, teaching in uh, the seminary. I enjoyed teaching in the, the seminary back home in England. Uh, I enjoyed teaching canon uh, kind of law in the seminary here, in Mount Angel. enjoy giving talks. Um, of course, there's the teaching uh, involved in preaching. And of course, we're called to teach by uh, our way of life. Now, the Directory for the Ministry and Life of Priests published by the Congregation for the Clergy in the year 2013 reminds all of us, but specifically priests, of the absolute need to remain faithful to and anchored in the Word of God and tradition in order to be true disciples of Christ and to know the truth. That directory states, above all, For contemporary society, marked as it is by materialism, subjectivism and cultural relativism, it is necessary for the gospel to be presented as, quoting from Romans, the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And the the directory goes on priests recalling that the faith comes from what is preached and what is preached comes from the word of Christ. And quoting St. Paul's letter to the Romans, will devote their every energy to correspond to this mission, which is primary in their ministry. Indeed, they are not only witnesses, but heralds and transmitters of the faith. Now that quotation from the Directory for the Life and Ministry of Priests spoke about subjectivism and cultural relativism. What do we mean? by these terms. Really, it means that the truth is something that is personal, that comes from within. That reality is what I determine it to be. That the truth is defined by the culture in which we live. And so we can get infected by the cultural trends, the quote-unquote current thing. For example, when people speak about my Jesus, in distinction to your Jesus, well, you know the Jesus that, re- that Jesus really comes from my needs, uh, that Jesus who affirms my way of life, rather than the Jesus whom we heard Saint Peter preach about in the first reading of the mass in the Acts of the Apostles, in his Pentecost sermon, when he said, "Repent." and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Or another idea is that the truth evolves. And unfortunately, we heard this from a very high-ranking prelate just recently, Archbishop Pallier, who is the president of the Pontifical Academy for Life, when he apparently Uh, proposed that it might be justified uh, uh, to legislate for assisted suicide uh, in Italy. And he, he said that theological thought evolves in history, in dialogue with the magisterium and the experience of the people of God, in a dynamic of mutual enrichment. Now if he's speaking about dogma, that this is just false, This is, in fact, a heresy condemned by um, Pope uh, St. Pius uh, X in his encyclical um, Pascendi Dominici Gregis, when he condemned the heresy of modernism and the idea that dogma can change and, and evolve. No, truth is not subjective. Reality is there. It announces itself to us and it requires of us an appropriate response. We do not get to determine what reality is. You know, this here is uh, a book, I'm sure you'll agree. It is announcing itself to me as a book. And my response has to be to acknowledge, yes, you're a book. I can't say, well, for me, you're an umbrella. We have to, we acknowledge reality as it is. And it is the same with the gospel. The gospel is preached. It is presented to us. It is therefore to be received. And we uh, we are called to respond to that reality, the truth of the gospel, appropriately. And, of course, the appropriate response to the reception of the gospel, as we heard from St. Peter, is repentance and entry into life. Or we can reject that gospel with all the consequences for our eternal uh, salvation or eternal damnation. We can also think about, for example, cultural relativism you know at a, at a high school catholic high school not far from here last christmas there was a you know, the christmas concert of course and um after uh you know performance of i i think somehow traditional uh, christmas uh, songs and pageants um the john lennon's imagine uh, was performed now christmas we know Is all about the birth of Christ, the the babe, the child to whom all nations are called to bend the knee. And what does Imagine sing about? It dreams of a world where there is no religion, where there is no heaven or hell, where there is nothing to kill or die for, no, no, no ideals. Nothing above us, sorry, above us, only sky. And, you know, John Lennon may think he's a dreamer, but I would say he was having a terrible nightmare at that time. That that would be a nightmare. And it's really unbelievable that such a song would be sung at an event which is supposed to celebrate Christ, the one God made incarnate come out, come into this world uh, to show us the meaning of this universe in which we live. It's really quite unbelievable that that should happen. But it shows that, you know, the air that we breathe, the toxicity of the air we breathe, of the culture in which we're swimming. And it's no wonder that people no longer believe in truth or the teaching of their pastors. You know, the... Uh, Students who attend that school and their parents now have to work out, well, why does a father uh, disapprove of something that our Catholic high school seems to think is okay? And so they're presented with that dilemma, which is a, a, a burden that it is unfair that it be placed upon their shoulders, but that is, that is where we are. Uh, and, you know, I... I grew up with the Beatles and I like the Beatles. And of course, you remember another uh, Beatles song, Strawberry Fields, you know, which uh, says how nothing is real. There's nothing to get hung about. It's getting hard to be someone, but it doesn't matter much to me. See, nothing to get hung about. Nothing matters. Well, it does. Reality matters. Matter matters you matter, I matter, who I am matters. And everything is real. Everything has meaning. And so our Christian faith presents us with the the reality of truth. That directory on the life and ministry of priests goes on. The priestly ministry empowers them, the priests, to express the Catholic faith with authority and to bear witness to the faith in the name of the church. In effect, the people of God, and now a quotation from um, Presbyterorum Ordinis on the life and ministry of priests from the Second Vatican Council. In effect, the people of God, quote, is formed into one in the first place by the word of the living God, which everyone has the right to hear from the mouths Mouths of priests. It is our primary duty as priests and responsibility and honour to speak the word of the living God to the people of God. Now it's true, others do that as well, deacons preach too. There are many uh, teachers, there are many religious brothers and sisters who have that mission of teaching as well. And yet it is recognised that the people of God have the right to hear this word of the living God from the mouths of priests. And the directory uh, goes on, and the word must be transmitted without falsifying, reducing, distorting or diluting the contents of the divine message, but rather to expound the wealth and depth of teaching that the church has received, safeguarded and proposed in her two thousand years of history, it's not something that the church invents; it receives safeguards and proposes, so that the people can then make the appropriate response. Hopefully, to receive and accept, but also there's that possibility of rejecting. Now, as I hope you can tell, and I know I hope my people understand my parishioners, my dear parishioners know that I love teaching about the Catholic faith, the truth that sets us free. And I love learning more about the Catholic faith. There's always so much more to learn. And it is my honour and duty to, yes, teach you, my parishioners, about the Catholic faith. And, um, you know, I, uh, only God knows how it is that this boy from London has ended up in Cottage Grove, Oregon, at the parish of Our Lady of Perpetual Help and the Church of St. Philip and Easy. But here I am, and it's a delight to be here and an honor to, to be here. But then it is for you, uh, my parishioners, to decide what to do with the teaching I give. I'll be judged on the teaching I impart and whether I do impart the truth of the living God. That is is what I will be judged on. And I I want to fulfill that duty as faithfully as I can. Once I've imparted that teaching, which I hope is the word of the living God, it is then for you to decide what to do with it. Then it's over to you and you'll be judged on that. And if you, if you discern that I'm not speaking the word of the living God, if I've not come through the gate who is Christ, well then you will uh, make the decision to reject that and you will be judged on the, uh, um, uh, whether that was a, a correct decision to make or not. It's sometimes, you know, uh, like other priests, I get um, reactions to my homilies um uh, sometimes actually i get some you know, uh, negative comments it might, might be an email or someone might visit me or they might say say something you know uh, it is rare now but it certainly was uh more common when i first came here uh sometimes people might say that was a great homily father and um and i thank them for that and uh, of course It could be simply that I'm just affirming them, that uh, they think uh, I've said some great things because they also agree, they think that too, and they're so happy that I agree with them. You know, but the reaction that I'd really love to get after a homily is the reaction uh, that St. Peter received after he gave that Pentecost uh, sermon. The people we read in the Acts of the Apostles were cut to the heart and they asked Peter and the other apostles, what are we to do? It'd be wonderful if after mass someone would say, Father, wow, your homily really, really touched my heart. Can you help me? What must I do to change? What must I do to improve? How can I be a better Christian? How can I uh, repent? Uh, And go to deeper conversion. That would just be an awesome uh, reaction to get. But I'm grateful uh, when people simply thank me. Or reflect on something uh, that that, that I said. You know, St. Peter was a good shepherd. Who entered through Christ the gate. And the people followed him. They found pasture. And so they were saved. Let's pray for our young boys and men, um, that the Lord will invite them to enter through Christ the gate and to be leaders of the sheep of the future. You know, I'm so glad um, of, the, of all my parishioners, but the men and the boys who serve Mass, as I preached this homily on Sunday, I probably had 12 or 13 men and boys. Uh, serving uh, at the main Sunday Mass. Sometimes it's 15. And um, I said how, you know, the boys, basically, they have a vocation to the priesthood until it's proven to the contrary. And I ask parents uh, to pray that God may call uh, a son of theirs to the priesthood. I ask those married couples who are still of childbearing age to be generous In accepting life from God. That if they were to accept uh, an additional life from God, that that son or daughter might have a special vocation to serve the church, whether in the priesthood or the consecrated religious life. And for everybody, all our families, to pray daily for an increase in vocations to the priesthood and the consecrated life. And yes, let's not forget the diaconate, of course, as well. But especially priests who can be shepherds, men who will be able to be fathers of the souls entrusted to their care, be good shepherds who will have that zeal to teach the faith, to lead the members of the flock safely in and out through the gate who is Christ. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.